Hello and welcome to Eldritch Girl Weird Gothic Stuff and Nonsense with me, C.M. Rosens. We're going to be continuing the serialisation of my first published novel, The Crows. Content warnings are to follow. The theme tune is by Gemma Cartmill. The illustrations in the books are by Tom Brown. You can buy the books either direct from me from my Kofi shop, uh, or you can buy them from any ebook online retailer and the paperback currently from Amazon only. If you do want to buy me a coffee instead of buying the book, you can do that via my Kofi, which is www.kofi.com, so that's ko-fi.com forward slash cmrosens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Content warnings for chapter five, stalking, mild threat. Um, there's a dog. If you need to know if the dog dies, the dog does not die. That's not a spoiler. The dog is a background side character, <laughs> um, but pops up and uh, is fine. So that's okay. Anyway, <laughs> there we go. Chapter five, something in the attic in which Carrie finds a music box and Guy brings a book. 20th of April, morning, afternoon. As Carrie peeled her eyes open the next morning, the dream evaded recollection. She was left with a compulsive urge to go into the maze of the attics, but what she needed to find there escaped her. Heavy-limbed and on automatic pilot, she padded along the landing. When she got to the narrow doorway leading to the stairs, she stood in front of the stained glass with some confusion, expecting to see a different door. Her head swam. I'm dehydrated, she thought. I slept for ages. Still, not quite knowing why, she pushed the door open and ascended the stairs to the airy eaves. There was no fireplace up here, no Victorian study, no books with blue or green dust jackets. Those details returned to cycle through her mind out of context. Carrie shivered, disorientated. Something metallic clunked quietly a few few yards away. A water pipe? Carrie rubbed her face, trying to shake off the feeling that someone was behind her. She turned around, but there was no one there. Am I dreaming or what? The attics felt as inviting and comfortable to her as they always did. She had to get ready for work. Turning to go, the same sad little sound came again, off to her right, somewhere near the wall. Frowning, Carrie dragged herself over to investigate. If it was anything complicated or expensive, it would have to wait. Indefinitely. The cardboard boxes were full of offcuts of material, things that had been rescued from cabinets and cupboards during the building repairs, and some newer tins of paint. Carrie pulled out as much as she could to make sure there was nothing that required her immediate attention. The boxes had blocked a hole in the wall, but that was all. Look! It was an urge more than a command, and it pulled Carrie to her knees as if tugged by an invisible cord. Her hand reached into the hole before her conscious mind caught up with all the usual reasonable obje- objections. Her fingers hit something hard inside the wall before she could pull her hand away. Carrie had visions of a skeleton, yanking her hand back as the mystery object dislodged. A box slipped between the insulation and thudded with a quiet plink onto the floor, where Carrie could see it more plainly. It reminded her of something. 
Gingerly, not keen on spiders or any other creepy crawlies that could be lurking on the object, she drew it towards her. It was a dusty, battered music box. Its keys snapped in the lock and crusted with the grime of ages. Carrie had the strangest feeling that she'd seen it before. The déjà vu was a bit much on top of the tendrils of emotion her dream had left behind. Carrie turned the box over in her hands, noting the dirt coming off on her fingers in the process, and decided to take it downstairs and worry about it later. For some reason, Phil was on her mind. The dream she couldn't quite remember made her feel like she had been cheating on him too. It's ridiculous, she chided herself. You can't cheat on someone with a house. It was half past six. There was time for a quick run to the beach if she hurried. She jogged down to deposit the music box, ignoring the chirpy morning text from her bank. Charges are due to be applied to this account. Please top up your balance by 23.30 to avoid additional charges and got ready to face the day. By ten past eight, Carrie's life had taken another downward twist, but now the calming crash of the rising tide breaking over the beach made Carrie forget she'd spent the past hour in tears. Super Price had called to say they were sorry, the rotor had changed at short notice, and they wouldn't need her for the next two days after all. Could she stick to weekends this month? Maybe the manager had finally got the Don't Hire the Crows Woman memo. Carrie's calculations, based on her initial number of shifts, were sliced in half. She now couldn't afford the electricity and gas bill. She couldn't face calling either of her parents. It wasn't fair, they weren't exactly well off. Her dad would only worry himself sleepless and hypochondriac and her mother would be much more triumphant than sympathetic. Something might come up in the meantime. She burrowed into her trusty grey Bruce Springsteen hoodie, head down against the brisk wind, the long walk working its calming magic. Mercy came jogging over the smooth pebbles, slim figure bulked up with Wellington boots and a parka jacket, hair covered by a snug pink crocheted hat. She was followed by an eager golden retriever. Hey, Carrie! Carrie waved, squinting as the wind lashed her hair across her eyes. Hi, who's your friend? Mercy grinned, stretching. This is Branston. Branston nosed Carrie's pockets, tail thumping against Mercy's straight-cut jeans. Branston! Mercy grabbed him by the collar and hoist him back, but he battled her to thrust his muzzle in Carrie's midriff. Carrie grinned, hunkering down to his level to make a fuss of him. I don't mind, she said, scratching his head and fondling him behind the ears. He's a lovely dog. He's a daft old thing. Mercy thrust her hands into her coat to produce a sad-looking tennis ball. Branston! What have I got? What's mummy got? Look, Branston! Ball! Who wants the ball? Who wants the ball? The dog bounded back and forth in front of her, salivating with joy. His gleeful bark carried along the strand as Mercy threw the tennis ball as hard as she could. He shot off like a golden bullet. Look, um, I don't know if they've already called you, but I'm glad I bumped into you. How random is this? She gave an embarrassed laugh, caught off guard. First, I didn't do the rota this month. That was Pauline. Mercy winced. I'm really sorry, Carrie, but... You've cut my hours, Carrie finished for her. Yeah. Thanks. Look, people call in sick or don't show up a lot, Mercy said, frowning. When they do, I'll text you first. I don't understand why they've done it, to be honest. We really need an extra person in the week. Carrie nodded, biting the inside of her cheek, willing herself not to cry. 
She looked out at the sea, the grey breakers lapping at the shingle. Have you walked all this way? Mercy asked, looking up at the cliffs behind them. Carrie nodded. Mercy gestured to the grey, unpredictable waters. We always come out for a walk along here. Branston loves it. How's it going? Did you go to the History Society meeting? Carrie watched the dog running off after some interesting scent, the coveted ball firmly gripped between his teeth. Yeah, they were very unhelpful. No one wants to tell me anything. She paused. I forgot to say, Mrs. Wend invited me to Wonderwick for tea and um, I went along yesterday and it was weird. She chanced to glance at Mercy's face. Her elfin features were frozen in a pale, wide-eyed stare. I didn't want to be rude and turn her down, Carrie added, trying to smooth over the fact that she had ignored Mercy's well-intentioned advice. No, no, of course not, Mercy frowned. No, that was the, the right thing to do, I guess. Did you, um, eat or drink anything? What's that about? Carrie asked, folding her arms. That's... Mrs. Asman, the secretary, she said exactly the same thing. Don't drink the tea. Why? Mercy pressed her lips together. Mercy, come on, what is it? People go strange. She winced. Gosh, that sounds mad when you say it out loud. People get attached to her. She watched her dog bounding happily in the shallows, chasing waves. She's got this little group of people who follow her around and treat her like a queen. They start off normal and she invites them over and then they start acting out of character. I can't explain it. They'll do anything for her. It's weird. It's little things. I've seen people give up their places in line at the shops. If she needs something, they're all falling over each other to help her out. It's it's creepy. I can't explain it. I'm, I'm talking about people who used to hate her. They go for tea and a chat or they eat some of that gingerbread she makes for bake sales and things and then total change. Total 360. Carrie assumed she meant 180 but didn't correct her. She raised her eyebrows. Well, I'm not rushing to go back there or help her out. Just let me know if I start acting out of character. Mercy brushed strands of hair from her eyes as the breeze picked up, buffeting them. Yeah, of course. Have to get to know you a bit better first, though. She grinned. Hey, if you want, you can come over ours on Monday. I've got the day off next week. Or you can come over mine. Carrie balked at the idea of spending an evening away from the crows. The evening was her favourite time, where she could curl up and savour the peace of the place. We could watch a film or something. Mercy nodded. Sounds good. I'd love to see the house. I could bring Tina too. She's just split up with her partner, so she's really down at the moment. We could have a girls' night. Carrie wondered if this was the same Tina that Mrs Wend had mentioned. You know what? That sounds lovely. It didn't. It sounded like something she ought to do, and the eel slither of panic at the idea of guests slipped into her chest. Carrie took a deep lungful of sea air and wet dog, stealing herself. Fab! Mercy whistled, and Branston tore back over the sand with happy, easy bounds. We're off. Come on, my little pickle, let's go home. Do you want to lift back, Carrie? I've got the car. Branston woofed at her, tail thumping. Nah, I'd like to keep walking for a bit. Thanks, though. You sure? Okay, see you soon. See you, Carrie said as Mercy clipped Branston's lead back onto his collar. Mercy trotted off, Branston loping beside her. Carrie set off in the opposite direction, feeling sick, chancing a glance up at the cliffs above. The bank of smothering cloud hung over the sea, 
flat and grey like a tin lid on top of the world. She thought she heard someone calling, but there was only a lone figure walking the path in silence. As she looked up, the figure stopped, hands in their pockets and hidden by a quilted coat, watching her. Prickles washed along Carrie's back, lapping at her fight-or-flight response. It wasn't the right build for Phil. She thought she could hear a whistle on the edge of hearing, sounding shrill and faint from some distant, invisible source. The figure jerked into a crouch, reaching for her across the gulf with crooked, gloved fingers like talons. It was the pose of a pounce. Carrie called her dad as soon as she got home, hoping he wouldn't hear the anxiety in her voice and chatted about his medication and her stepmother's latest redecorating spree for half an hour. Are you really all right down there, love? Her dad sounded concerned. Your mum's been on the blower to me five times trying to get hold of you. She says you haven't called her for over a week. Yeah, I meant to. I've just been busy, Carrie admitted, hugging a sofa cushion into her chest. The sofa was too small for the living room, like all of her other furniture. It looked lost in the middle of the vast space, unopened packing boxes dotted about it like rocks around a tiny island. I did email her, actually, but she probably hasn't read the message. Her mum was less techno-savvy than she liked to think she was. I really miss you guys. We miss you too, sweetheart. We've all been so worried about you. Do you need me to come back and look at the plumbing again? Anne wants to know if you're eating properly. Why didn't you call? We could have covered your rent for a few months. I don't want to worry you, and I don't want to keep asking for money either. I just... Carrie shifted position, flopping full length on the cushions. Come off it, love. It's not charity, is it? And don't be spending more than you need to, calling up a plumber when I'm still fit to work. Her dad started to cough. Dad, are you still smoking? Cut down. The reply was choked, but the coughs tailed off. Carrie heard her mother in the back of her mind. George Rickard, you stubborn old goat. She shook her head, but before she could nag him about looking after himself, someone knocked on the front door. The hollow booms made Carrie start. Dad, stay on the line a sec. Someone's at the door. I don't like thinking of you in that big house all by yourself, Caro. That waste hasn't been bothering you again, has he? he, he he's rung once. Carrie rolled off the sofa and pushed herself to her feet, thinking about the stranger on the cliff. I I told him to get lost. Good for you. Listen, love, you call us any time and we'll be straight in the car. How far out are you from town? Carrie listened to her own footsteps echoing through the house as she crossed the hall. The grand staircase behind her responded with a creak, wet wood swelling in the afternoon sunlight. Takes about 30 minutes or so to walk. It was a deliberate underestimate, but he was already worried. Let us give you some cash for a taxi, Caro, or bus fare or whatever. You can pay us back when you're on your feet again. Carrie swallowed. Hang on a sec, Dad. She opened the door and Guy Bishop smiled at her, book in hand. Hi. It's okay, Dad, Carrie said quickly into the phone. Look, can I call you back in a minute? Someone's popped round from the History Society, that's all. Oh, well, all right. Love you too, sweetheart. Speak to you later. Bye. She hung up. Hi. <laughs> so, um, I thought I'd pop over a bit earlier on the off chance you'd be in, Guy said, looking coy. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Carrie shook her head. That's okay. Thanks for this. Do you want a cup of tea or coffee or something? 
Guy beamed at her, his eyes bright and warm. Great, if that's not any trouble. No trouble. Carrie stepped away from the door and Guy stepped over the threshold, book in hand. I was going to leave it in a bag on the porch for you, Guy said, handing the volume over, if you weren't in, which you were, so that's good. There was a honey-coloured blend of blonde and auburn in the brown curls of his short beard, hair gelled darker into a deliberate, messy ruffle, which Carrie hadn't noticed the other night. He had what her father called a book lover's tan, that is, the creamy shade of someone who spent most of their time indoors under a reading lamp. Phil had been the robust, quick-bronzing type who spent even mild spring days bearing his chest to the world, but Guy looked as if his tailored shirt was a secondary skin. She was willing to bet if he rolled up his sleeves, there would be an even paler line around his wrists. He strolled around the entrance hall in a glazed state of wonder. Oh, wow. It's phenomenal. It's like I imagined it when I was a kid. He shook his head, craning his neck back to take in the restored beams of the ceiling. I can't believe this. Carrie beamed with pride. It's taken a while, but these last two weeks everything's pulled together. I think the builders felt sorry for me. She hesitated. Do you want to have a tour? Guy's rich hazel eyes were lit with enthusiasm, but the atmosphere in the house was becoming strangely oppressive. Carrie felt something heavy descend on them like a shroud. He frowned, shaking his head as if something was in his ear. I'd love to, but I have to go to the home and see my dad. Another time? Oh yeah, sure. Just a coffee then? But Guy was shifting his weight, glancing around with less enthusiasm than before. You know what? I've got something I need to do, just remembered. Can we do this again? Carrie blinked, folding her arms to hide her disappointment. Sure, yeah, of course. Thanks again for the book. No problem. He stepped out again onto the porch. They stared at each other a fraction too long, then both looked away with shy smiles. Guy blushed. I could show you around the town a bit. I know a great place by the pier. Have you seen the historic docks yet? If you'd like to get lunch or a coffee or something. He looked hopeful. The house creaked behind her. Maybe, yeah. There it was again, that long pause, the locked gaze held for too long. Carrie's heart fluttered. Maybe I could text you when I'm free? He got the hint and jumped on it. Great, what's your number? He pulled out his phone, prepared to type it in. Carrie reeled it off. He called it, then hung up. That's mine. So I'll see you soon then. Enjoy the book. Carrie nodded and he jogged down the steps. This was going far better than she had expected. She'd almost forgotten the incident on the beach that morning, the sunny afternoon putting her at ease. It seemed like months, not hours, had passed since her mini-meltdown that morning. As he turned to wave at her, he looked up at the porch and his face paled. My God! I'm so sorry about people in this bloody town. Carrie frowned, puzzled. What? The graffiti? He scowled, gesturing at the portico surmounting the Doric pillars. Sorry, I only just noticed. She came to stand next to him and followed his pointing finger. Her hand flew to her mouth. What the... Who would do that? A stepladder lay on the gravel around the side of the house under the window on the left. That room had been the dining room, big enough for a banquet, long enough to dance reels. Carrie kept it empty, not knowing what to do with it. Sell it to a spa chain, her mother said. Sell it on to someone who can appreciate it. 
Her eyes travelled from the ladder back to the porch, and the big red letters sprayed on the stone like a slap in the face. Get out. Thank you for listening to Eldritch Girl. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, as usual, the theme tune for The Crows is by Gemma Cartmel, and the books have been illustrated by Thomas Brown. So if you want to read ahead, um, please do. You can buy the books uh, from Amazon or from any online book retailer. Um, you can also drop a tip in my coffee jar um, at www.kofi dot com forward slash cm rosens thanks again for listening <laughs>